Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sean. So, uh, Pastor Sean was right. Uh, I had this uh, topic. Uh, I wrote it back on the back of my notebook a long time ago. Uh, and then, kind of like the character, I was kind of reluctant to start developing it. Um, but today, we're going to look at the Old Testament to a well-known account from the book of Jonah. Uh, if you search Jonah uh, on Google, you'll get 51 million hits. Jonah's story, in my opinion, is one of the most famous children's stories from the Old Testament. This list for me would include Noah's Ark, David and Goliath, and Jonah. Now, don't yell at me, because I did not expand this list. I know there are many more historical accounts of the stories of the Old Testament, and many of you might be able to list all of them off. I know for certain if you're in Miss Shirley Snett's, if you're your children in her class, uh, they talk about Bible characters and Bible stories every single week during Sunday school. Um, if, now, if you ask these kids about the story of Jonah, I am certain the next thing that they will say is Jonah and the big fish, or the whale, as uh, sometimes the stories depict it. How often have we as Christians in our culture been desensitized to these biblical stories based on the, the stories we see in, in children's tales? Uh, many Old Testament stories like Jonah can easily be understood uh, and memorized by the children, and they're good to learn uh, and treasure. However, these stories have a, such a deeper, profound message behind them. Even as adults, we can learn and grow as much uh, if we study them. Pastor Sean insisted several weeks ago that we need to go deeper, uh, so I want to dig a little deeper uh, with the story of Jonah. We don't have much history about Jonah. Um, some have dismissed this story as a parable or a fairy tale, but Jonah was an actual person. I truly believe that. In 2 Kings uh, chapter 14, verse 25, we read that Jonah was a prophet in Israel during the time of Jeroboam in about the 8th century B.C., uh, that he would have been prophesying between the years of uh, 786 and 746 B.C. This seems like a long time ago. How can we believe that this story actually happened? Well, it's in the Bible, so that should be good enough for us to believe, right? Maybe you don't take the Bible as literally as I do. There is some level of debate among Christians over various areas of scriptures. That This discussion I love to have, especially with the youth. I believe that God created the earth and everything in it for us as humans to have the ability to examine and explore the globe uh, to confirm the biblical creation we find in Genesis 1. Uh, so I encourage you don't always believe the media or social media that says Christianity is just a blind faith. Now there is a level of faith we must have as Christians but it's certainly not blind. God expressed in the scriptures that for ever since the creation of the world people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. That's found in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Now I can talk about this all day. I would love to talk about apologetics from the pulpit. Defending the faith, the evidence behind the Bible, and creation is a topic we love talking about in, uh, in Sunday school. I love having a, a Lance and some other youth. It's a great uh, discussion. I always enjoy that. And I encourage you, if you enjoy these su subjects, join a Sunday school class at 9.30. It's truly one of the best values I believe we have as a church. 
But that's not what I'm preaching on. Uh, so let's get back to the story of Jonah. You might be one of those red-letter Christians. You only like to read the red letters in the Bible. If you have a Bible that is classified as that, these are the words that Jesus spoke. He taught on or he gave messages on. So I decided, let's look at what Jesus actually said. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, these are his words. It says, For as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Here, Jesus is validating the story of Jonah. Jesus did not believe he was a fairy tale or a par parable. He knew Jonah was real, and the book of Jonah tells a historical account that we should believe and value today. Jesus even compared the story of Jonah with the most significant event in his ministry, that is, his death and his resurrection from the grave. Some believe that there is no way for someone to stay alive in the belly of a big fish for three days and three nights. Well, if God can raise someone from the dead after spending three days and three nights in the tomb, certainly he can keep a man alive in the belly of a fish. I believe that this is a real story about a real man in a real place. So let's dive a little deeper into the story of Jonah. Jonah is a small book in a section of the Old Testament that we classify as the Minor Prophets. Now this isn't because he, his teaching was minor or insignificant, but it is because the size of the book of Jonah is relatively small compared to other books of prophecy like um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. That's why it's classified as the Minor Prophets. As a prophet, Jonah was a messenger for God's word. Many times we read about the prophets crying out to Israel for them to turn to God or something bad may happen to the chosen nation. Jonah's book takes a more historical approach and walks through Jonah's life and the path he chose to walk down. Jonah chapter 1 starts out with, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Oh, that doesn't sound very comfortable for Jonah. This may be true, but this city is called Nineveh, where God called him, where called Jonah to go. It's not a city of comfort, but rather a city of calling. In uh, the third verse, Jonah's response to this calling of the Lord, and it says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. Now I have a picture I asked uh, Kevin to uh, display, and it's, it's showing the journey of, um, of Jonah. Um, as he gets up there, I'll, I'll just continue. Uh, so when we look at this quick map, this quick map, as you see it, that's a picture of uh, the journey of Jonah. You see the city of residence where Jonah lived in the scriptures was Gath Hepper. It's a little city right there in Israel. Um, in verse 2, God called Jonah to Nineveh, which is located northeast of Jonah, uh, in the far uh, top right of the uh, picture. Now, if you're already lost by this map, you may be used to using a GPS or phone directions, or you're one of those crazy drivers that likes to follow Siri for your turn-by-turn -turn directions. And I don't point out your neighbor if they're one of those crazy ones. But um, I want to break this down to a more realistic where, where we live today, and it might give you a better picture of the location that Jonah was called to. So I'm going to imagine that where Jonah lived, which was Gath Hepper, pretend that's Baltimore, right here where we live. When I refer to Nineveh, think about this is where this would be basically New York City. So basically, Jonah lives in Baltimore. He was called to go preach the gospel to New York City. Both examples, both the one I gave as well as this picture, is about a three-day journey by walking. 
Google, again, says it would take you 63 hours to walk from Baltimore to New York. Uh, so it's about the same distance ge geographically. So with that in mind, Jonah did not obey God, but rather he fled away uh, from the calling city and fled to Joppa. And then he, from there he took a boat to Tarshish, which at the time was the farthest known place uh, in the modern world at that time. Uh, they didn't know North America. It wasn't discovered yet. So Tarshish was literally the farthest point on the map. Um, so imagine if we're, if we're here in Baltimore, Jonah was called to New York City, but instead he decided, I'm going to flee to Washington, D.C. and take a plane to Seattle, clearly on the other side of the continent from where God had called him to. In Jonah's eyes, it would have been more comfortable to flee to Tarshish than to be obedient and go to Nineveh. So in Jonah's life, there are only two major cities uh, that he could go to, Nineveh or Tarshish. I would refer to Nineveh as God's calling or God's will. Tarshish is Jonah's will. The journey of our life includes these two cities as well. You're either on the journey to Nineveh, to God's calling, or you're heading away from Nineveh, trying to flee from God, and heading towards Tarshish, the city of my will or my comfort. So let's get back to the Bible times. Jonah knew his calling, but he disobeyed God. Now on the journey, trying to flee from God, he was on a boat. While he was on this boat, God sent a great wind storm, and it threatened to destroy the boat. All the crew and passengers on the boat were deeply afraid, and they were frightened. They were freaking out what to do during this giant storm. But Jonah, he had already gone down into the ship, and he fell fast asleep. Jonah thought, maybe uh, if I fall asleep, God, uh, he will forget about what he called him to and, and what he put in his life. Obviously, that didn't work. And he cont continuing on the story, we find out uh, that everyone on the ship eventually realized that the Lord God of the Hebrew people was causing this storm because of Jonah's disobedience. Jonah then thought, well, the only way for this to stop is I am thrown off the boat into the, the storming sea. Jonah, at this moment, would rather die in the ocean than obey God and turn and head to Nineveh. God was having nothing of that because God had a call on Jonah's life. And he prepared a giant fish. This giant fish or whale, as I said, some translations may, may have it. Uh, he swallowed Jonah to prevent him from dying at sea. Inside the belly of the fish, Jonah finally repented, cried out to the Lord after three days and three nights. From this plea, God uh, spoke to the fish and spit Jonah onto dry ground. Jonah knew without a shadow of a doubt what God was saying to him. He was not questioning the content of the original call from God. In fact, we find out later in Jonah, chapter 4, that Jonah knew exactly what God was calling him to and the exact results, what would happen if he trusted God. That's pretty remarkable. It's clear that God had entrusted Jonah with a major role, being called out as a prophet, which today many around the world, including the Jews as well as the, uh, the Christians, know Jonah, and he's very famous because uh, he's in the scriptures. There have been many times in my life I believe I could understand some instructions or direction that God has called me into. However, unlike Jonah, I was never been given clear understanding of the actual results of my obedience. I would do it by faith and the results the Lord would surprise me with. With Jonah, we find out when he finally obeyed God, God used Jonah to start the greatest revival in human history in Nineveh. Now you may be thinking, that's great, Pastor Chris. I'm glad you can hear the Lord at times, and that's good and all. And Jonah, well, of course, 
He's in the Bible, so he hears from the Lord all the time. But for me, I'm just a normal Christian, uh, just normal Christian, and I have never heard the Lord speak to me. And I know for certain, if the Lord has spoken to me, he has never called me to the city of Nineveh. Now, I will have to warn you not to tell the Lord what he has never done or will never do in the future. There was a time in my own ministry that I said I would never speak on a Sunday morning. That was not my calling. Uh, ironically, I believe the Lord has been laughing uh, in heaven because last year about this time, I gave my first Sunday morning message on stewardship, and this it marks my second message this year. Uh, so it's kind of ironic when I say the Lord won't do that. And I encourage you not to do the same because you may end up here as well. So just be careful because the Lord likes to call us into situations that might not be super comfortable to us, but will allow us to proclaim this message to a dying and hurting world. But getting back to the statement about how, how God has never spoken to you audibly, this may be true. In fact, I don't believe that the Lord has spoken to me in an audible voice either, but that does not mean you cannot hear from God. God speaks to us in several ways. We are finding today thousands of accounts of Muslims in the Middle East having visions and dreams about Jesus. They are repenting of their Islamic faith and becoming Christians to this day. They have heard the call of salvation in their lives. Others have received the gifts that we spoke about last week and can hear the Lord through prophetic words, uh, words of wisdom or other ways. These type of encounters are very valid and the Lord does speak in those ways, but his primary method for everyone is through his word and the Holy Spirit. We are so blessed as a generation to have the written word, the Bible, to, to be accessible by all of us at any time. The Bible is the world's bestseller, and it has been since the creation of the printing press. But did you know, this is remarkable, did you know Tuesday marks the 500th anniversary of what we refer to as the Protestant Reformation? If you don't know much about church history, this event basically allows us as a church to function the way we do today. It would be dramatically different if we didn't have this uh, Reformation. One of the main themes of the Reformation was allowing the production of the Holy Bible to be given to all believers, no matter their educational level. Before this time, only the priests or church leaders were, were able to read and access the scriptures. I bring this up to say that it was the great sacrifice in the 1500s for men and women of God to allow us to have the Bible in our hands. Hundreds, if not thousands, of Christians were willing to die so we could have this privilege. So don't waste that sacrifice. And actually, let's read our, our Bible. God speaks most often through his word. We find in Jonah, he quotes in the book of Jonah seven times different psalms in the Bible, or in, the, in this chapter. Jonah had the word of God hidden in his heart because Jonah spent time thinking about God's word and could better identify the call of God. We find Jesus proclaiming in John 10, 27, says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. When we invest in reading the Bible, we are training our spirit to be able to hear the voice of God and directions and the guidance he has given us as believers through the scriptures. Many sermons on Jonah focus on this idea of calling in everyone's life and trying to answer this question of where is your Nineveh, trying to identify God's will in our own lives. When I read the Bible, and especially Jonah, I see a different perspective. It is great to be able to clearly identify God's calling on our lives. However, the bigger picture I received from this story was not Nineveh, but rather Tarshish, which represents something that is drawing you away from where God wants you. 
I want to explore this idea deeper, but before I do that, I'm going to sum up the three points uh, that God does call us into. Uh, when we can identify our Nineveh, we can also see what's drawing us away from that. So I do not know what your Nineveh in your life is. I know what God has called me to do, what he has called me, what the commitment of my life must be, and I cannot live with myself uh, without obeying this. But God, part of our calling, he calls us to salvation. We find in Ephesians 4.1, it says, I therefore, I am a prisoner of the Lord. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. Uh, you may be saying, I've never heard the Lord call me to walk holy. Uh, well, yes, you have. I just read it. God called us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. He calls us to be holy, walk holy as Jesus did. God has already spoken on several times of this issue of salvation. It could be that God's Spirit is calling you or convicting you to give up some sin or something you know is drawing away from your passion of God. In 2 Peter 3.9, uh, it expresses how God is patient with us, willing for, not willing for anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. If we can't answer this first call of salvation and trust in Jesus Christ alone, nothing else matters. You can be living in Nineveh where God wants you, but we have to trust in God first. The next part of God's calling in our life, he calls us to service, to serve in some capacity. Now, last week was awesome. If you weren't here, you should listen to a podcast. Uh, Pastor Pat Corelli was here. He delivered a tremendous message for pastor appreciation. Uh, his message was on the gifts and putting them into practice. I have to say that was probably one of the best messages I heard from Pastor Pat. And I think it tied in directly with what I was about to preach on and I was preparing for. I believe if we apply what he spoke on last week, we can clearly identify our own Nineveh. What do you mean? Well, let's look at some of the notes that I took. I encourage you to take notes uh, because you can reflect on the messages. I believe it greatly enhances my ability to uh, understand Pastor Sean's words and his wisdom. So I encourage you to take notes. Anyway, last week we really focused on the object lesson uh, about receiving a gift. But if we don't open that gift, that gift is useless. If we don't open it and practice it. When we are willing to open the gifts and talents the Lord provides in our lives and use these gifts for God, it starts to reveal the steps that will lead us to Nineveh. I know where God has called me to serve. I know where my Nineveh is. Do you know where yours is? The way I discovered my Nineveh was not, I, I wasn't reading the Bible in, in Matthew 20. It said, Pastor Chris, or Chris at that time, you're going to serve in a capacity at Kingsway. I don't find that in scriptures. But what the Lord does reveal is your talents and abilities, and when you put them into practice, uh, as a growing youth, I was under leadership of Pastor Sean and, and Bridget as a counselor, and the Lord continued to reveal talents that I could use for the kingdom. Uh, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I thought maybe I could write big checks to the Lord. I was very good at business in high school, and in fact, I had great visions of having an awesome business. Uh, but that's not where the Lord led me to. Uh, he, he led me in a different direction. But remember, our spiritual gifts are any talent or ability which is empowering by the Holy Spirit and able to use in ministry of the church. Now, I'm not saying that everyone should feel called to become a pastor or work in a church full-time. If everyone here answered that call to become a pastor, there'd be no more sheep to be shepherded. But the question is, are you serving in some capacity? The word of the Lord calls us to serve the body of Christ in some capacity. Um, I know for certain my wife is not called to serve full-time in ministry. She has been called to the public world to, to teach and to show the love of Christ uh, as a teacher. Uh, we need Christians in every area, as mechanics, as plumbers, in the banking world, so we can be a light to the generations around us. 
Uh, so your calling might not be ministry specific, but we should be willing to serve the Lord through the compassion he gives us. Now, part of that calling also includes God calls us to spread the gospel. Now, how can I spread the gospel if I'm a teacher? It's illegal. Uh, there's ways you can demonstrate uh, the passion, the love that Christ gives us to wherever you're serving at, wherever you're called to. We find in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord for all of us. <laughs> None of us are called just to, to evangelize. We may be gifted in that areas, but we're, everyone is called uh, to, to share the gospel. Uh, it's not a special calling like a pastor or a, a teacher. This is a command for every follower of Christ. Go and make disciples. That's why we exist as the church. Uh, the one thing you can't do in heaven is uh, share the gospel. Something to think about. Do not be afraid or timid when it comes to God's calling in this area. The same Holy Spirit that spoke to Paul, that spoke to Barnabas, that spoke to Philip, is the same Holy Spirit that resides inside of each of us. And he gives us the strength and the power to witness to this generation. God can speak to you without having someone else uh, speak. A lot of times we ask God to come up for prayer, and we're more than glad to pray for you and, and speak a, a positive word over yourself. But God can speak to you directly uh, uh, through, through prayer and through reading his word. God could be calling you to salvation, to experience grace and mercy that you don't deserve. God could be calling you to the missions field. God could be calling you to preach. God could be calling you to invite your next-door neighbors to church or to dinner. It could be that you have heard the voice of the Lord when it comes to getting a relationship reconciled. Perhaps the voice of the Lord has come to you to give something to someone else. Jonah intended to get as far away from the presence of the Lord as he could. Just think, no one knew that God had spoken to Jonah except for Jonah himself. Some of you this morning are fleeing from God as he has been calling out to you in one of the areas I may have mentioned earlier. And it could be that no one knows but you. And when you are exposed to the Word of God and the people of God, the Spirit of God is calling out to you to take steps of obedience to do something significant in the kingdom of heaven. That is your Nineveh. So what about your Tarsus? Tarsus, again, is the thing that the things or desires that draw you away from God's calling. This could be sin. If we are currently in active sin in our lives, we will feel unqualified or unworthy to be used by God. God does not want this for us. He doesn't want us to feel that way. That's the exact reason he sent his son down to die for our sins, to allow forgiveness to be given to those who trust in Jesus alone. There are many throughout the Bible that have sinned against God who later repented, and God used them when they turned to him in significant ways. We look at people like Moses. He killed an Egyptian before he repented. King David committed adultery and then committed murder to cover up that sin before he repented. The Apostle Paul was authorizing the killing of the early church before he repented. All three of these Bible men have a past they were not proud of, but they repented, and that did not disqualify them. They served God's calling in their life. They repented and turned towards God, and then they were used to change the world. God is waiting for you to do the same. That's not the only path that will lead us away from Nineveh and towards Tarshish. Remember, I called Tarshish the city of comfort. Sometimes we as Christians are trying to find a comfortable path in our faith or in our ministry. That leads me to ask, to what place do you run to to get away from the possibility of hearing from God or being reminded of the call that God spoke to you? Could it be a hobby? Could it be a relationship? Could it be work or your career? 
That's the one I'm at. Every day I'm reminded, what could I do if I pursued the job I, I had dreams of in high school? I still work part-time with that, but God has not called me to that level of, um, of work. What other areas could it be? Could it be a bottle of alcohol? Could it be prescriptions? Could it be television? A lot of times today, television can distract us from what God will call us to. If you know more about who's getting booted off the island, or who thinks they can dance, then you know the word of God, maybe that's what's pull, pulling you away from uh, your Nineveh. How about busyness? I personally know uh, I'm very busy, and sometimes I can distract uh, from what God calls you to do. Or what about here? What about church? Sometimes church can be a distraction and can be pulling you away from your actual Nineveh. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, sometimes we come to church Sunday mornings hoping to silence our conscience by doing religious things, hoping that God will forgive this disobedience of following his call in our life. God may have called you to serve in some capacity that may make you feel uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit may have impressed on you to share the good news of Jesus with the waitress at the, uh, the restaurant after church. Oh, I'm not comfortable with that. God may tell you to pray out loud for your neighbor. Oh, that's not something I'm comfortable with yet. You might have been drawn up here to the altars uh, for an altar call or during a worship set to pray or worship at these altars. Oh, I'm not comfortable leaving my cushioned pew. God may call you into a ministry and you'd rather serve in a more comfortable area. That is fleeing from your Nineveh and heading to Tarshish. So sometimes you can have a fruit from, from disobedience, but it's not where God wants you. Isn't that what Jonah did when he called God to Nineveh? He said, no, I'm not comfortable with that, God. Let me go and do what I feel is best. Let me tell you, church, the first time I raised my hands in church, it was not comfortable for me. But the scripture says to lift up holy hands to the Lord. Now I do out of reverence for God, symbolizing that I am still in surrender to him. A full surrender, not partial surrender, as Pastor Sean spoke on a couple weeks ago. Since I started as youth pastor at Kingsway five years ago, I am, uh, there has been many moments in ministry that have been uncomfortable or challenging to my faith, especially these past two years with Pastor Sean. Uh, he's very good at challenging us as leaders and uh, as servants to uh, go beyond our comfortable level uh, to produce godly character and endurance. I feel much more comfortable being behind the scenes in ministry but I know the Lord is calling each one of us to challenging and uncomfortable areas of our faith. As an athlete, we go through training and practice that is often uncomfortable so we can produce positive results. God does the same thing with us in our faith. He can and most likely will call you into uncomfortable areas in our faith to grow us to produce positive results for his kingdom. Do not think, do you think that Jesus was comfortable on the cross? We find Jesus crying out in the garden before the crucifixion in Matthew, verse 20, Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus is saying, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup of suffering be taken from me. He's asking, is there a more comfortable way? But this is this what he continues. He says, Yet not as I will, but as your will. This cup of suffering, I'm sorry, Jesus recognized that this cup of suffering that he was about to face was going to be uncomfortable, not just uncomfortable, but painful and torturous. But his response was, Not my will, but your will. This is the example we must take when God calls us. We are not called to be comfortable in our Christianity. We are called to be obedient. So I ask again, why are you running? Churches are littered with people who were once obedient and passionate for God until he told them to do something that required a little out of the ordinary, out of our comfort zone, something that tested their faith and their courage. And they are living with great regrets as to what 
could have been, or what if I would have obeyed. In Romans 12, verse 2, uh, it says, Do not confirm, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We find our Nineveh by constantly staying in God's word. Nineveh is where God wants you. God wanted Jonah in Nineveh. That should have been reason enough for him to go there. We don't have to worry about where our peers are going if we are going where God wants us to go. Some of you are not willing, uh, are not doing the will of God because you have sin in your life. You actually love your sins more than you love God. Deuteronomy 32 verse 11 speaks of a mother eagle who tears apart the nest from the young eaglet, the force of the fly. Otherwise, this eaglet would become content and stay in the nest. God sometimes disciplines us and calls us to uncomfortable areas to do the same. That sometimes means God tests or tears apart our comfortable nest away from us so we can uh, be more obedient to him. Jonah had no excuses. No one forced Jonah to disobey. No one coerced him into doing something he knew he shouldn't do. I'm going to end with a, a story. Uh, and it's a report. And we can I guess, come up. Uh, it's from a newspaper. Anyone know what a newspaper is? Now we have uh, internet. I value newspapers. I value news. Uh, but it was a newspaper in the eastern United States. Uh, and it reported an experience that occurred one late night on a stretch of highway. Uh, this could be something like 95, pretty much somewhat abandoned, not much traffic. There was a woman who was driving. She was driving alone. And in the rearview mirror, she saw an 18-wheel truck coming towards her with his blinkers on as if it were to pass. But just as this giant rig pulled alongside her window, she heard the whoosh of its air brakes, and it suddenly pulled back behind her. Its massive headlights beamed into her car. Nervously adjusting her rearview mirror, she pressed the accelerator to pull away from the truck. Her anxiety heightened as the mighty diesel engine roared in response, enabling the truck to keep on her bumper. Its headlights blinking uh, in, his, in her car, she takes her foot off the accelerator, hoping he wants to still pass, but the air brakes of the truck whoosh again, keeping the rig pinned to the bumper. Now she's panicking. She slams down on the accelerator in desperation to flee from this mad trucker. Her eyes desperately search for an exit as the big rig roars and races to on her bumper into the night. Finally, she spots an exit sign. She nearly flies off the exit ramp and screeches into a gas station with the truck driver right behind. She runs towards the gas station, calling for an attendant. The trucker leaps out and chases towards the woman. But when he gets to her car, he stops. He throws open the back door and pulls out a man who is hiding behind her seat. Sometime in the night, an unknown assailant had slipped into the woman's car, awaiting the moment when he may attack her. From his high vantage point, the truck driver, as he was passing, saw the assailant hiding. The one who she feared and who she was trying to flee from, she was running from, was the one who was going to save her life. So the question is, why would you run from the one who is trying to give you everything that he has promised in his word? He is calling you to do something significant for his kingdom. God is the one in our lives that has the vantage point far above what we may see. God is the one who has called you to your Nineveh. It may be that you say you may have a difficult time hearing God's voice today. Could it be because God has already spoken to you, but you refuse to obey? It is important to identify our Nineveh is in our lives, but it's even more important to identify the Tarshishes in our lives, those things that would draw us away from where God wants us to serve Him today. That could be sin, but that could be something that is more comfortable in our lives.
I, I encourage you guys, if this is challenging to hear, examine the scriptures to see what I proclaim, if it is true or not. Do not just take what I said as valuable because I am a pastor or a pastor spoke it. See if Jesus ever challenged, had challenging words for his disciples to take steps of obedience that were uncomfortable. For me, some of the most challenging parts of scriptures and statements in the Bible are what is classified as the red letters that Jesus spoke. So I'm going to pray. And if you, if you need prayer, you're more than welcome to come up. Once again, we'll have our a meeting for volunteers. And I challenge, I challenge you to take a step that's uncomfortable uh, in ministry. Uh, determine where your Nineveh is and don't flee from that. Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for the value we receive by reading your word day in and day out. Lord, I thank you for the accounts of the Israelites and the prophets and the disciples, Lord, through the scriptures. We can see how they walked their faith, Lord. Sometimes how they messed up and sometimes how you had mercy for them, Lord. I pray as we read the story of Jonah, we can be inspired to take uh, your guidance and take your will and allow us to follow it. Do not let us flee from your desires. Uh, Lord, let us seek you and surrender to you as we sing in worship, Lord. Let the words of our worship be the, the truth behind our life. Lord, I pray for this message that uh, as I delivered it, the words that needed to be heard are heard. Anything that is false, Lord, I pray you cast them out right now. I pray you allow us to serve you. I pray for blessings on all those who came out in this uncomfortable weather, Lord. I pray that pours into their life so they can serve you in your calling, Lord. I pray for in your son's name. Amen. 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 Wow. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.